The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to the Master Wildlife Filmmaking Podcast, Episode 17. When Cody Westheimer is not running, riding his bike, or exploring the wilderness, he is racking up credits as diverse as they are interesting. To date, he has amassed well over 100 hours of music for feature films, documentary series, and iconic sports themes such as the Tour de France on NBC. He is the composer for the recently released IMAX film Journey to Space 3D, and his main theme for the 2007 game The Golden Compass was nominated for the Gang Track of the Year. An avid craftsman, Cody has built many of the items at his New West Studios. His desk is built out of reclaimed lumber, and he most recently built a portable music studio in the back of his car out of typical roadcase materials, which was also recently profiled in Mix Magazine and featured in a mini-documentary for outside television dispatches, and is currently airing on the cable network. In addition to his career as a composer, Cody enjoys photography, making short films, and playing lesser-played instruments like the banjo and Japanese sakuachi. Cody's passion for nature has helped him carve out a niche in the natural history genre. His credits to date include the documentaries True Wolf, How I Became an Elephant, the Discovery Channel's special Tiburones, Sharks of Cuba, Lore of the Lizard, Terramatta's Badlands, and H is for Hawk. Cody, thanks so much for taking some time out to spend uh, with me on the Master Wildlife Filmmaking Podcast. So tell me, you are a composer... You're a composer for commercial gigs, but you have recently got into doing natural history films. How did this transition take place? You know, it's something um, I've been working at for a really long time is to make natural history, science, and activist filmmaking a huge part of what I do day in, day out. And um, my first uh, Jackson Hole Wildlife Film Festival was actually 10 years ago. So I, I definitely have always had a huge passion for nature and wildlife and absolutely love to be inspired by the imagery and the stories that are in this very specific uh, niche and space. Um, and it's just taken, you know, it's taken years for that to snowball to the point where I could almost call it like a specialty. Up till recently, I've been, you know, working on a, a large cross-section of projects, um, some kind of what I call Hollywood proper type stuff, episodic TV and um, different shows and, and stuff like that. Lots of independent film. And which I, I, I adore and I love and I, I, I really like how every project has its own kind of musical voice that you end up creating for it. So I've kind of had a, um, I sometimes call it a hodgepodge of a career. My wife gets very angry at me because it sounds like I'm demeaning it. Um, and it's more of a diverse career is what she's been trying well, to get I mean, to say. It's kind of like that in the filmmaking world. <laughs> it right? is. I mean, so many filmmakers are the same. We jump on, I do the same thing. I work with a lot of news channels, um, but it's hodgepodge, right? You, you, you mix and match, but it's still keeping in your genre. Absolutely. Right? And you keep where, you know, you obviously, it's, it's kind of a buyer's market. So you kind of write 
write the music that you're hired to do. Um, and so, which has kind of gotten me to be a, a pretty versatile composer. I feel very comfortable writing in, in most genres, even like the, the thing I'm working on right now that's not in the natural history space is a, a main title for an MSNBC show that's very pop and kind of like, um, you know, it has kind of an edgy pop vibe. Um, and so very different. It has a couple orchestral elements, of course, but like it's not, it's certainly not what you would consider like wheelhouse i think uh for me is a, a lot of my friends would not you know think that that would come from me so it, it's that's kind of exciting an exciting part of the the business for me but uh, for, for me like just nature and wildlife programming it it requires like a little something special a little something extra a lot of the time and i really enjoy because i mean Often, oftentimes these these stories are people driven and and so we're relating to the people and them relating to the animals and sometimes they're not though sometimes they're you know really a narrator like you know the kind of classical natural history kind of format where it's a narrator and really just you're looking at the wildlife and you're telling their story as best you can and the music cr- plays such a crucial role um in that regard i would say a little bit less crucial perhaps than your average hollywood picture um i mean i think don't think hollywood producers would appreciate hearing that but for me it, it certainly it requires an extra level of thought almost in what exactly we're trying to accomplish in, tr- in terms of what the music's trying to evoke and the emotion we're trying emotional reaction we're trying to have the audience um feel well and it is such an integral part of of any film whether it's a, an action movie or whether it's natural history for sure i mean it's the emotion it's evoking um if you put the wrong music to oh, it God. then you you lose the whole thing right yep. so it's super important yep now i i um uh, speaking about hollywood i heard you say something the other day which was interesting you said you know if it was a choice between uh doing composing for transformers the movie or planet <laughs> earth you would choose uh, well, yeah, I mean, I'm at the Jackson Hole Wildlife Film Festival. Uh, I mean, despite the the budget gap, I would absolutely choose Planet Earth. I mean, it's just awe-inspiring. Um, I really love the people that are involved in making these sort of films. We're all like-minded. You know, when I'm not in the studio, um, I'm I'm backpacking or hiking or enjoying nature in some way, shape, or form. I deeply connected to nature, and it's a huge part of my life. Um, and I can't get get on without it um and so if i am going to be in my studio working i love to be looking at beautiful imagery (laughs) of nature up on the tv rather than like animatics for a cg you know transformer you know battle (laughs) absolutely i I can relate it's a bit more inspiring to me um and it's also just i i feel like it's i feel like i i i I risk sounding self-important or or something but I also feel like it's more important for the world for these stories to be told than Transformers. Um, and I really enjoy taking part in in that aspect. And I feel like my contribution to society is um, I'm doing something more than what I would be doing if it were just for purely entertainment purposes or something. I, there, there's lessons to be learned from these um I, I just, I guess, I, I always come back to making a difference. I was a very active environmental activist um, in my teens, and I formed the environmental club at my high school when, back when we were called like tree huggers in a derogatory sort of way, when it wasn't cool to be in a, a green, you know. Um, and so, 
I miss those days to some extent. I still am involved a little bit in, in activism. You know, we went to the Women's March after Trump was elected and, and so forth. And, and so um, I, I certainly try to, you know, we went to a Standing Rock protest and so forth. So I try to keep a little bit of a shoe in that. But it, it's hard, um, you know, with the busy life and everything. And so I feel like if I could use music and my work to help advance that cause, um, that's just like a that's a a double whammy for me that's amazing and so that's another one of the reasons i think that i really um if i could choose to be exclusively doing you know nature and wildlife stuff if that were you know if i were busy enough and if they're financially viable um (laughs) you know certainly i would love to you know i'm not sure if that day will ever come it would be great to just do more um and I, i just really enjoy telling those stories Let's talk about um, the style of music that you have to uh, kind of put together for wildlife shows. Sure. With, with the different types of shows you've done, is the music very, very different? Mm. Or do you stay kind of in a certain area with it? How, how does that work? That's an interesting question. I mean, I think that through the cross-section of, of wildlife and nature films I've done to date, I would say a lot of them have a fairly similar sound. I think th- I, I would like I like to think they're distinguished from them, each other. Like certainly um, two of the films that I did this year, both for uh, Mike Burkhead, who is a dear friend of mine, who I had been chasing very for a very long time before <laughs> I got on board. First one, and then two stalking, of, I mean, uh, stalking. He would call it stalking for sure. Mike, that's a shout out. You could leave that in too. You don't need to edit that out. Um, I did stalk Mike a little bit. I mean, I'm just a fan of his work and. Um, he's brilliant. So uh, the first film that I did for him was Badlands, uh, the Badlands of America, which was a co-production between Terra Matter and Smithsonian, and just insanely gorgeous footage shot by a, a really incredible guy named Dawson Dunning, um, who's here at the festival as well. And uh, we were going for good old Americana, like the original kind of direction we were looking at was Dances with Wolves, like. This, which is one of my all-time favorite scores, you know, sweeping orchestral and just, you know, um, and so that was, you know, we ended up pulling it back a little bit from that uh, initial like dances with wolves centric thing, and it, it, I would call it, it came back to kind of a more modern take on that sort of thing. We did have a couple, we had a few moments where we did really like pretty much an homage to you know that style like um i couldn't believe mike let me get away with this i mean when a filmmaker tells me to make it big um those are kind of their famous last words generally speaking like and usually they then have to get me to pull back Uh, because i love going i mean when it's right when it feels right i love going big and so there was this at the finale of the film i remember really specifically you know we had our theme playing and um there you know it's a cyclical film so it, it starts um starts at winter becoming into spring and then it ends as at fall going back into winter again and um there's just this gorgeous sunset shot um and before preceding the sunset shot there were all these kind of like dusk shots that were just i mean it just was this incredible build-up and so the theme is building up and boy did i hit that sunset shot with a like like just an insane symbol crash and huge uh you know thematic statement and I, I was kind of like daring him <laughs> to, to like let me have it, <laughs> to let you do it. Yeah. And I was Keep shocked. It in. He, we kept it in, and I was so thrilled. Like, I mean, I, I, I was, I, I, if you, if you had told me when I was writing that that I, that he was gonna let that, like, let me have that big a moment, um, 
I I didn't think it was going to go final, but it's it's a very impactful moment. It was like war horse kind of like you know where you know you have like literally literally like the the horse trotting along the sun the 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 landscape. I mean, it was just it was it was an incredible cinematic shot, and so it it certainly had the license to do something that big too. Right. Well, let's let's take a listen to a bit of that music right now. Obviously, that that is it's hard to just listening to the music like that. It's hard to picture what you've just been explaining. But tell us a little bit about how you put that together, the visuals you were seeing, and and a bit about the instruments you're playing to, to sure. put that music together. So that that score, not unlike a lot of scores that are done these days, is a you know predominantly electronic score. So I'm dealing with samples of the orchestral instruments instead of the actual orchestral instruments. Um, and in a weird way, it's almost easier to convincingly portray a large epic sounding orchestra than it is to portray a, a smaller intimate sounding really, orchestra. That, that's super interesting. Yeah, I would never you would have guessed most, that. The yeah. kind of logic would suggest that it would be the opposite. Right. Um, but it, 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 you know, I think it's something about you hear more minutia articulations and you hear more of the human element the the smaller the ensemble and so the more right. mass if you have 40 violins playing um as opposed to six you hear every little imperfection of those six and if you don't he- you, subconsciously if you don't hear those imperfections it sounds fake um whereas if right. it's 40 those imperfections are minimalized you know they're you know they're it's a you know it's a crowd mentality essentially right um and so they're they're minimized that you don't hear as many it's more of a homogenous sound and so i think that's the reason why that's true but um so i mean it, it, badlands was uh, I, I don't want to say it was an easy film to, to score, but it was because it, it, it was very technical. We had a lot of sequences that required a lot of very, you know, surgical timing and, and things like that. But I would say it was it was very clear for what it needed. Like, I don't think there were many scenes that 
weren't blatantly obvious what the score should be doing. Um, not that that didn't take a long time to achieve what the score did, but from a standpoint of um, what dramatic emotions and what story we're trying to tell, um, it, it seemed pretty straightforward to me. So I, I got to, you know, I spent most of my time on executing that as opposed to a film. The other, the other film I worked on with Mike this year was um, called H's for Hawk, the, um, A New Chapter, which uh, is a PBS nature film here in uh, the U.S., and it's a BBC production um, in the U.K. And um, that one was the exact opposite of Badlands in that regard. I mean, they're, they could not be more different mentalities of scoring and ensembles um, just because it, you know, it's a human character now. Um, she's very interesting and has an incredible story to tell, yet, uh, and it's shot in an incredibly, and edited in an incredibly poetic kind of style that really just needs this very gentle brush. And so especially coming off Badlands, because we scored it after Badlands where we were like epic central, like this was the, like, whoa, it is going to be a small, like intricate, at times beautiful, but um, very, very specific um, kind of vibe. So which one did you find easier? The Badlands because of its kind of giant, you know, big orchestral feel or, or, or the other one? I mean, I would say easier, definitely Badlands. Like, I mean, did I, um, but I wouldn't say it was more enjoyable. But I mean, H's for Hawk was certainly a huge challenge, but that's part of, if it's not challenging, what's the, what's the point, right? right I mean, right, right. Push, I, push yourself. I loved, a- I mean, and Mike really pushed me. I mean, He's probably not going to be pleased at all. You could, and you don't need to edit this out. But he actually said, "Cody, this needs to be the best you've ever done." Which <laughs> no is just, yeah. I was like, uh, "Oh, okay." I mean, I, I will say, I kind of pushed myself into this film. I mean, originally he hired me for Badlands, and when he came to visit me in LA to discuss Badlands, uh, I'm a huge Hawk fan um, and Raptor enthusiast. And when I got wind that he was doing this, and I, I had read the book. And so I was a fan of the book. I had identified with the author, um, the stories about her um, and how she relates to Hawks and trained a Hawk after her father passed. My father passed. That's when I became interested in Hawks. Um, it's not really a reincarnation thing, I don't think, but I certainly identify very, very strongly spiritually with Hawks. Um, and... I, this was I was like Mike, you got it. You don't understand who this. There's no one who lo- there's no composer on the planet. I don't I don't think at least that I know of who loves hawks more than I do. I wore like this. I have this red tailed hawk <laughs> shirt <laughs> that hey, I well, wore with there. him. I was like, see, uh, this is my case. this is <laughs> where our, our red tailed hawk nest is in the neighborhood. Would you like to see the Cooper's hawk nest as well? <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I hit him like I, I was pretty shameless with with having that. So I mean, he did have a right to you know to. Add Ask that of me, and um, you know, I, I thankfully, you know, he's told me I delivered, which is good. Part of delivering with that was um, we actually were able to record a small orchestra, um, and which is exactly what we were talking Fantastic. about. Fantastic! So you composed it, and yep. then you got an orchestra to play. Small it. orchestra, I think it was thirteen string players, uh, four woodwinds. Uh, this amazing piano player and this amazing piano, which happens to be Thomas Newman's old piano, um, and a harp. Um, and so, let's listen to that one just so the listeners get a feel for yeah, what you're talking let me, about. Uh, let me tell you what's happening, okay, actually, yeah, if you yeah, don't mind. Perfect, yeah. um, so, at this clip that we're going to play, um, is it's entitled The Goshawk Nest, and um, it, it, it's 
kind of it's not as big as we got but it's certainly as forward as the score got in terms of emotional impact i think um it's very magical it it's uh, i related greatly to helen the the character of the film um, how she is so entranced by hawks, her reactions even to seeing the hawks th- or through the um, through the blind with the binoculars is very much how I feel when I'm seeing hawks. And so I was kind of trying to like harness her emotion, which I could really directly relate to in the magical aspect of that. And so um, I-, I felt that this cue was I felt like this was a pretty strong cue before we recorded it, but this piano player just. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast, or we may have to bleep it? Okay, depending on what it is, but carry she, on. He just played the shit out of it. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, this this I think this was one take too. I mean, I was like, we don't need to take that again because he was. It was just this amazing performance. So this is a um, this is the Gosshawk Nest. It's a very, they're, they're two different pieces of music. I mean, they're similar, but they're, they're different. When you were scoring those, when you're looking at the pictures and you're, you're looking at it and you're composing it, which was, and I said this earlier, you know, which was easier, but which, which kind of came to you more um, simplistically, if you like? I, I know through being um, editing my own footage that when I watch something, I can hear music in my head that I know is going to go for that, you know, fit with Sure. That. And so I will then look for yep. um, music that's going to fit It becomes that. a wild goose chase at it times. Just, yeah. Absolutely. I know what you um, mean. So which was it for you? Does it come really easily when you see those images? You know, um, yes and no. It, it just, it depends. I mean, there were, there's always the aspect of, are they going to like it? So that's all, I would say that is probably the most challenging aspect of my process is getting hung up on, are they going to like it? Do, are they going to like what I do? And I put tremendous pressure on myself to try to get into their heads how they might respond to whatever I'm going to try to do. Um, as I've gotten older and more experienced, I, I think I, I've started to feel like, well, they hired me for a reason. 
They, they chose me, you know, instead of blah, blah, blah for a reason. And so I've started to get better about not having that mental hang up. Um, but it always, you know, the, the best you've ever done comment kind of resonated for a while with me, Mike. <laughs> it's one of those things I think as filmmakers, we're all the same, you know, especially starting out. You know, it, it's only until you've done a few things and you've yeah. been, you know, you have repeat business, if you like, or Absolutely. Whether, whatever you're doing, you and, feel more confident. And um, a project I'm just starting now called The Lizard's Tale um, that's uh, by our friends Nate and Neil of Days Edge Production. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were talking about that today. I haven't actually put any ideas down yet. And so this, it, it's almost it's almost easier to talk about that project as far as process because hindsight's always kind of 2020. Like, I don't remember the blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, I do a little to some extent, but I it's, it's kind of like you remember the happy parts. For I mean, I don't remember the torturous aspects as much. Um, Badlands was fairly smooth sailing. H's for Hawk was, was actually pretty smooth sailing once we got under way as well it was a time crunch and especially when you're involving orchestra that's an extra step and so we did actually pull an all-nighter mixing that um mixing the score um on the final day but um so at the beginning of this process you know we're talking about instrumentation and we're doing very much uh you know we're just at the very beginning and we're talking about music we like and music that um, will work we're trying to tell this tell this epic tale of of a lizard and so for me, I, I have trouble bundling those two words in the same sentence, epic and lizard. And, right. and so that's like a, that's a musical challenge. But they clearly there is an epic story to be told. And so that's becoming kind of an interesting um, thing, that, puzzle for me to solve. How can I make this sound epic? With It's not going to be Inception epic, right? Right. So it's right. going to fit the image, obviously. Absolutely. But they are these are incredible images that they've captured. Um Depending on how long you take to edit this podcast, you know, maybe we could play <laughs> a tune Absolutely. from it. Yeah, yeah, Actually, yeah. Let's, um, um, let's listen to some of that, yeah. Great.
so that's very different from obviously something I did um, either for Badlands or H's for Hawk. Each film, really, what I love about this, especially, and this is not it's not completely unique to natural history. However, I feel like there's there's more of a chance to get into characters you wouldn't really get into, like a lizard in in more typical non natural history wildlife stuff, um, and therefore kind of explore these sounds that and, and, and kind of musical styles that. I you know there I think at the end of the day you could probably listen to all three and if you were re- really listening carefully there there's probably an argument to say oh yeah that's the same guy that that wrote them all but at the same time they're 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 very they're they're very unique in their own right they have their own kind of identity but I mean that that's not a bad thing right because Absolutely. because let's if you listen to Hans Zimmer right. you know it's Hans Zimmer if Absolutely. you listen to um uh, Clint Mansell you uh-huh. know it's Clint or Mansell Thomas Newman, so, right. Thomas Newman or Thomas Newman or we all sound like Thomas Newman actually right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go we, we all we all have like actually that's in in viewing the rough cut of Neil and Nate's film I said wait is that is that me or Thomas Newman? And <laughs> I say that not comparing myself to the great Thomas Newman because, like, I, I don't think I'm comparable to Thomas Newman in my unique voice. He's amazing. But that's how much we've all, and I say we've, as all composers pretty much, um, at my level at least, have absolutely been, you know, we have a Thomas Newman sound. <laughs> been influenced by Absolutely. By or, music, or, yeah. or even I would at times be, you know, say we've been encouraged or forced um, to, to come very close to Thomas Newman. And, um, and so, you know, I, I don't think we, if we ever got to the bottom of it, I think I determined at the end of it that it wasn't me because I, I was pretty sure that I, you know, did a few things that I don't think I would remember if I did. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> like, Anyway, so but it, it's a funny thing. It's kind of scary, actually, when you think about the homogenization that has occurred um, from the, those, you know, those few composers at the top that are. Um, I was just talking to a, a filmmaker today about this. You know, you have Hans Zimmer, you have John Williams and Thomas Newman. And of course, you have others. Uh, James Horner is one of my favorites. Maybe he rests in peace. But there are not as many influencers now as there were like when I was growing up loving getting interested in film music knowing what this is what I wanted to do with my life there it's becoming a smaller like field in a weird way and so I really applaud the like composers that I look up to I while I don't know if their music is um you know from art music if you're looking at them as concert music I mean and you wanted to get arrogant about it I don't know if their music is you know is as complex or as um, motivically unified or you just throw around these kind of like phrases that you know my college professors would use um, but someone like Gustavo o Santania um, I'm probably mispronouncing his name he strikes me as someone who has just an incredibly unique voice and I love that about him that he has just such he has he's stuck to his style and he is sticking with it um, whereas I view myself as you know I'm more of a chameleon I kind of I certainly have like a core style but certainly do I, I deviate and kind of like that core style might inform or influence like the headliners main title on NBC um, right, right. <laughs> um, which is you know pop driven um, yeah. 
and, and so forth. It's just an interesting thing when you can, ha- you know. So I, I'm kind of what you call a working class composer, right? right. Where I'm not, I'm not doing the big studio films. Um, and so it's interesting, though, that there are fewer and fewer people who have that very, very specific, unique voice. Yes, yeah. So going back to the, the your process, mm-hmm. right, from, from being contracted to do the music, how many changes – I mean, this is obviously going to vary from project to project. But, you know, how often do uh, does the director, say, come back to you or the producer come back to you and say, you know, this just doesn't work? It, it's just not what I was expecting. It totally happens. It does? Abs- of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a collaboration. It's you know we're we're not just there writing the music. Oh, I love to write music like this, and and then putting that down. And uh, that's my idiot voice, by the way. <laughs> oh, it sounds like fun. I think I'll write some. I thought that was your off mic voice. <laughs> no, it's, I think I'll write some chase music to this wonderful love scene. Right, um, right. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, we we're there to serve the, the the picture and the director. You know, most of the time, sometimes it's a producer, or sometimes it's a group of producers. Sometimes there are you know upwards of four or five different people that's where it gets really sticky when they all have a slightly different opinion and when they maybe don't agree and that's where my job gets really tricky but it's it's very common of course to have um you know we we like the core idea cody but it's just you know we uh we think you need to push it in this direction and actually in badlands um it was not having an uh, a recognizable enough theme he wanted a melody that you could whistle um, Interesting, which right. I love, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know, in my head, I I thought it was, but I think he was right in the end. And you know, I'm not like I'm, I, I'm not a musical genius. I, I I I do my best, but certainly, like I I need that little extra push sometimes, and um, that's what it's all about. And a project that I did earlier this way, year called Midway. Um, we we did we ended up pretty much with one pass on most of it, but there were a few cues that we had versions two or three and they were mostly minute changes there was one trouble cue though that we kept on coming back to and to get it just right and um you know i i I think my initial read on the scene was okay but it certainly had some things that he was trying to do that i were not on my radar and some of that comes down to the spotting session and really going through the film um scene by scene and you know talking it through um which we don't always do these days we used to always do it and sometimes you know um, a film I did a couple years ago, uh, IMAX film called Journey to Space, which was this epic um, IMAX film. And if, if John Williams and James Horner had a baby together, I like to think that's like <laughs> what, <laughs> like <laughs> what <laughs> that would be their love child. I, I, I mean, I, I think maybe I'm, I'm giving too much credit to that score. Like, but but that's what I, that's what was my intention with right. that score was to like have, you know big fanfarish brass, but you know lyrical melodies, you know, and um, kind of like you know sweeping chord progressions and so it, that was kind of my intention with it and um it was certainly like a uh, that was a, a really fun fun gig we had a live orchestra on that of course um it's very regal you know space exploration you kind of have carte blanche to go big as as big as you want um but that film shockingly had very few adjustments um i i mean it was i almost wish uh you know you know, at times when we were going to the mix, there were times where the voiceover was maybe moved around or not in the exact same place or I, it was new voiceover. And so I felt like at times even maybe like I overwrote it slightly and we had to pull the music down more than, you know, was than, than was ideal. Like if I had left more space for dialogue, right. that would have been a positive thing. So... 
and I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that. There, there must be a, a quite a big difference between, um, say, doing uh, composing a score for a narrator driven show or mm-hmm. narrator led show, um, and maybe an on screen host. Have you done on screen host? I haven't done a or? tremendous amount of on screen. Although Nate and Neil's, you could almost describe them as uh, their their latest film as an on screen kind of host uh, sensibility. So most of what I've done has been narr- narration. Um, although Helen had some on camera speaking and H's for Hawk, and and certainly. You know, all the narrative projects I've done are with actors. Does um, it make a big difference? Do you do you end up with more music in something where it's narrated, or and less in you know where there's on on screen hosts? Or how? I feel like we live in a wall to wall world. It's a weird thing that's happened. Um, I feel like most shows seem like they're most for the most part wall to wall music these days. Um, like maybe with just a few. Like if it's a forty, if it's a you know forty four minute film, it's going to have 38, 42 minutes of music somewhere in there. It feels yeah, yeah. like. I mean, I maybe I, I'm not looking at my spotting notes right now, but <laughs> it, it does feel like there are a few moments with that just breathe. And I, I'm a I'm a fan of of breath. Uh, one of my favorite composers um, who did a lot of film, but was more well known for his concert music. Uh, Toru Takamitsu is his name. He's a Japanese composer, probably their most celebrated modern classical composer. Um, he was discovered by Stravinsky, actually. Um, brilliant. And he did all the, uh, you know, all of them, but most of the Kurosawa films, one of my favorite scores is Ron. Um, and the one Western film he did was Rising Sun with Wesley Snipes and Sean Connery. But um, he wrote a book uh, called Confronting Silence. And there's an argument to be made that silence is music because the absence of music causes a, a similar emotional response with the audience Absolutely. as music itself. Yep. And so it's such a powerful tool that's so underused. I'm always a proponent of breath. Um, it also means I have less work to do. No. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Let's have a 10 minute, a 10 yeah, minute interlude like, here for the music. The union rules, uh, oh, two, right. except we don't have a union. But <laughs> right. do you, do, so do you find um, ever that you're more in favor of kind of taking a breath here and there, but the directors may be like, no, let's have music going through? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I'm at odds with that, sure. And sometimes it's a different, maybe they want to take a breath where I feel like that's maybe not the, the same space I would. I would choose. Um, it's it's tough because oftentimes the sound, the end sound design isn't in at the time that we're going in, um, and so I have to ask. I ask a lot of questions about sound design, and and what's happened on numerous occasions, like oh no, we're just going to keep natural sounds, and then we get to the mix, and it's like you know you're just going to keep natural sounds. I hear tons of like design, like oh yeah, we changed our mind, <laughs> and so you know, it, and and that certainly affects like musical choices. Back to your question about narration and and so forth. One thing I really like about narrator is. If, if, if the narrator's been chosen by the time I'm working, I know if it's a man or a woman, if they have a high or a deep voice. And so that, of course, can go into my instrument choices. You know, I'm not going to... Right, of course. I'm yeah. not going to be choosing, like, a, a lower French horn over, you know, someone who has a voice like mine. Um, and I'm not going to be choosing a flute or an oboe with, uh, you know, a higher pitched female voice. You know, um, I would try to leave like literally like you leave that frequency carved out. So and that that allows you to still achieve a lot musically. But you kind of you have your kind of parameters. You leave that space. You know, I think that's what sets apart the difference between uh, music that's composed as a score mm-hmm. for a program and music that's pre-written and just taken and put over the top. I had it's, never it's thought of that. It's the difference actually. between 
professional audio and non-professional because sometimes you're trying to put uh, narration, and I've done this many times, you're trying to put narration over music and there are bits in there that just suddenly come up in the wrong place. And yeah. there's nothing you can do if you've pre-bought, right. you know, royalty-free music. You could try to edit it out. Yeah, I, I've, right. I, of course, like, you know, have a, you know, I have a love-hate thing with libraries. I have a music library, for God's sake. I mean, and, and that's a... Um, kind of our it's more than a side business it's like uh, almost you know i wouldn't call it 50 percent. i certainly always am a proponent of scoring um but i had never thought about the actual frequency selection aspect of that um it's interesting as you said it i i, I think that's that's a, I a love great that. reason to have a composer oh man compose a score why where were you in my life like a year ago <laughs> i could have right. been using this for the last oh. year to well, pitch okay. original well, i'll send you a, i'll send you an invoice <laughs> yeah you really should that's a great uh, tool <laughs> so so let's get on to the kind of business side of it for you, sure. right? Earning a living. There's going to be people listening to this who are going to want to do what you're doing. Sure. So first of all, is it easy to earn a living doing natural history composing? I can't speak to that because that's not all I do. Um, I think that if you were a young composer coming to me and asking I'd like to write the music for the next planet Earth or, um, well, sorry, Hans Zimmer got that in his crew. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, I, I think that's probably casting too narrow of a net. I mean, I, I've, I've been at this, this, like I said, I've been at Jackson Hole for 10 years. You know, this is my fourth festival. I did miss it one time. Um, but I, I've been at, you know, writing music professionally for you know, almost 20 years. Um, and so... You know, I think I, I, I'm still at the point where I couldn't exclusively live comfortably, you know, doing I could exclusively writing music for natural history programs. I just don't have, um, you know, not enough of the work I do is exclusively that. So I think that, you know, documentary is probably a wider net that that, that might be suitable or, you know, I think mo most composers these days are, you know, we kind of do whatever projects we get hired for. Like well, like, um, like Hans Zimmer, for instance. Sure. I mean, he's doing, you know motion pictures and then planet earth and, and video and games i think too right. i mean um totally so yeah we all kind of do a little bit of everything i mean i would love to be you know more you know just doing you know i would i like how i, I should phrase it like this i'd like to be doing more you know, natural history and wildlife uh you know centric programs and activist programs as well those are near and dear to me for sure um but i think it's unrealistic to 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 look that narrowly i think it's it's smart to to start there um but it's highly competitive just like any any other field it and, takes time and it takes a long up time the context right so if and you to can... build your craft too you know right. i like i even though i've been coming here for 10 years i think you know as a 28 year old composer i was a lot less informed than i am as a 38 year old uh, composer there's just a fact to I, I and if you had told me to that that when i was 28 i would have you're gonna need to believe this i would have said um, you know, I mean, because you, because uh, I did, you know, I, 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 I've really, I've really, I'm, I, I don't consider myself a master of my craft, but I, I do consider myself very good and seasoned. And I certainly like to get in the mind of a filmmaker. I, I, I like to make little films on my own, like as a hobby. And so I certainly have a very visual mind and I love the, 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 the joining of the video and the, you know, audio media um but i think you need to start off you know like small 
Um, I, and I think that's that's not a choice. That's just it's good. that's how it works. I mean, unless so, so kind of hone your craft. Yeah. Start off small, but let's say you you've got to a place where you feel musically mm-hmm. you're talented enough to do it. What what steps are you going to take? Come to Jackson Hole, I guess. Uh, now, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you. It's it's just about getting your your music out there and getting people to respond to your music, right? Like, um. It's interesting, you know. I, I send out. I, I'm still, uh, as maybe some of your listeners are people that I've hit up on the Jackson Hole <laughs> delegate list. That I mean, certainly, do I go through that list and and think, okay, I, I remember them. We've met briefly, and um, you know, I've you know had had a good year with this stuff, and um, maybe I'm gonna send them my you know my latest reel and see if they respond. I mean, it, that never ends. I mean. Um, my wife worked for a very prominent um, A-list composer for years, and he still hustles. The hustle never ends. So I'm still hustling, just like someone just starting out. Right. Um, is the is the kind of like you know <laughs> the bottom line? I would say you know to a, this is a little off topic, but one crucial aspect to and I, I I've just hired a new assistant, and so he, he's very very young and just starting out and um he's asked me some advice and and he it's been mirrored by some friends of his that you know the library game is an important one uh, an important part of the livelihood of the modern working composer it's um it's recent that it's kind of accepted i think as a viable um you know you could still participate in original scoring and write for libraries. You don't have to choose anymore. Just like there's no discernible difference between a film and TV composer. We're all the same. There used to be this like kind of like wedge between, oh, are you a f- film or TV guy or gal? Um, and so th- that's that wall's been broken down with libraries. I feel like. Um, and you know, writing the original score now too. So I'm not. Well, the same with the, with the footage world. Um, you exactly. know, filmmakers. Uh, I have a, a stock footage site of my my with black urban black bears. Yes. Um, so many filmmakers do that because you have one, to. you can utilize pre-existing footage. Absolutely. Two, if you're if you sell footage on uh, or, or if you're making a program for a particular network and you can retain some of the copyright, Absolutely. there's another avenue to bring exactly. money on the side. So that's and that's become a very powerful just it's the exact same thing in music. It's a, a it's a powerful negotiating tool when you're um, when you're sitting down at the table trying to, you know, negotiate terms. Um, if the budget's so small, you know, maybe Maybe I could keep my own rights and, and put it into my library, and I could monetize it that way, um, and that would could make it make sense for me to work on you know projects on a micro budget. Really, um, if it's something I'm really passionate about and want to take part in, I just can't pass up. And there's um, a lot of sites now that you can actually you don't necessarily have to have a library of online your own. of your own. Of course, you can just farm it out to oh, yeah. different places. I mean, I'm sure similar to your scenario, like if you're just a starting cinematographer, you're not going to start your own library from scratch. You're going to submit it to the well, you know, established institutions. Just, you know, as I did, you know, I actually still have tracks in some of the larger stock libraries. It was five years ago that I, I really, you know, took my core library and decided to make my own. And since I, I had the opportunity to have like a, you know, I had a, a strong relationship with NBC and Discovery, and so those were those two avenues alone were enough to kind of make it a viable business venture on the outset. Um, so, is your library in your name? 
yeah. I mean, I, it's it's a different. So we have a we have newweststudios.com. Shameless plug. Well, not, <laughs> no, no, I was gonna say. Well, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go, uh, newweststudios.com is kind of the more creative site. Like we're that's where we generally send people to. Um, that's where you'll see our pictures of our studio and their little bio videos to learn more about uh, Julia, my, my wife, and I. Um, my dogs and daughter also have a cameo on the site. Um, Excellent. <laughs> um, and uh, certainly, um, you know, we spend a lot of time kind of, you know making it flashy like you know these might be fun people to work with we hope is the is kind of the message and then um at the far right of that there's a um on, on the menu bar it's not hidden at all it says catalog and that's a totally separate site called the new west collection and that's our site with um that's searchable has a great uh infrastructure um and framework for searching you could even drag like if you're a filmmaker and you've tempt with a uh, piece of music that you're looking to replace with uh, a piece of library music, you could actually drag that MP3 into the search bar. It'll analyze the waveform, and it's hit or miss a bit. It's it's pretty good though. At times, it's like bailed me out of making playlists because I'm like, I know I have other tracks like this. What is it called? I can't remember the name. And I'll I'll look for similar tracks, and there there's the track I was thinking so, of. So so it's, it's like Shazam almost the um, app where similar. It it's it's more of like a AI kind of thing where it's actually examining like the trans. And so if there's a beat in the song, it would know the BPM or even the types of drums you're using. And it would be then searching. Um, it's already fingerprinted the rest of our library and searching for kind of matches. Um, that might be that, that yeah. must save a heck of a lot it's, of time. I mean, like I said, it's hit or miss. You get some funny right. kind of like, wait, that's not ex at all what I was thinking <laughs> right. of. But it is a, a very trippy feature to kind of be able to, you know. Uh, it, it's 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 all also just kind of fun, but um, then of course you have keywords. We have we are we spent a lot of time with our metadata. You know if you if you I'm sure you know from the stock video. If I mean your your video your 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 product is only as it's good only as good as the keywords. Absolutely. Metadata. Yeah. So that's really everything. And since we're up against libraries like APM and Killer Tracks, you know, and Megatracks, who I all have music with, um, also. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, and, that, it's that's, and and when you're on other people's sites, is it through your name or is it the it's all my the name. studio name? Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, you, I think you could search Cody Westheimer on APM and come up with. I think I did one album for them years ago, but um, don't do that. Go to New West Collection. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and of course, I'll put links cool. on the page on the masterwildlifefilmmaking.com. Nice web page cool there'll be links straight to your website there so awesome people can, can get in there and listen to yeah. the catalog yeah that'd be awesome so one last question sure. for you if you had one piece of advice one takeaway for people looking to break into this industry and really any not not necessarily just natural yeah, history but sure. just composing in general um they're starting out they obviously can play um but they're, they're looking to get into film scoring yeah what would the one it take is away it, for me i could tell you just i could I, all i know is what i've been through right like so for me it is all it's been a game of tenacity and just it takes a lot of no's but you get the yeses and um sometimes it doesn't feel like you're getting the yeses but you just have you just have to be driven and it's so easy to get bitter in this industry and just cynical um because it's so competitive there especially in nla 
there are so many amazing composers. I mean, it is ridiculous, the competition. I mean, it, it's... I mean, we were judging for the ASCAP Film Scoring Workshop, but both which Julie and I uh, both went through years ago. Um, I feel like an old person now. <laughs> it was a long time ago, though. But we should tell everyone you are 75 years old. Right? I am. So you've that's, had a long that's career. That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, that's the beauty uh, of, all, of we, a podcast. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, except that I think there are photos from my youth oh, that okay, you have on your right, website. Right, yeah. We did have you know computers and rigs like that in the, in the 50s, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the the talent pool is insane. Like listening to some of these, you know, people's music just out of college, just it made me want to quit. Like, like if I'm if I'm the director of you know said film, why wouldn't they hire this person instead of me? You know, it's the talent pool is insane. So it it just takes a lot of work and tenacity. And um, it is, of course, who you know, right? It always has been and it always will be. I have colleagues who, you know, are, you know, doing studio films, um, you know, making on one film what I would make on in two or three years, right? I mean, um, and it's not all, about, of course, it's not all about money, Um you know. But, but it helps. Of course. But, I, you know, there there's a lot of luck involved in this field you know timing and all of those things that we can't control um and so at the end of the day though for me it's it's always been about making my own luck and for that it just takes a lot of work um and just a lot of you know i mean if you ever have mike burkhead on this podcast please don't ask him how um i forced my way into <laughs> having him hire That's me right, for the either film story. yeah okay. oh totally but i mean it's just it's just email i mean <laughs> you know it's and it's just me fall and actually during the space um a dear now a dear friend of mine mark krenzine who um i'm working with on a couple other things um you know, it, it took years of emailing and following up and reminding them that I existed and that I was enthusiastic about working with them uh, until it actually came into fruition and a project. And so I'm constantly reminding myself that, you know, there's it just it's it, it's a lot of time. But, you know, the cool part about I'll, I'll, this might be a nice little bow on this uh, uh, <laughs> to bring it back to natural history filmmaking. What, what I do really, really love about this niche in particular is the people are so relatable and down to earth and just lovely. Um, it's it's very different. Uh, I mean, I certainly have my favorites in Hollywood too. I certainly have people I adore in Hollywood, but it's a very different vibe. Um, here, it, it does feel like we're all coming together and we're rooting for each other and we're just trying to do the best for the animals and the world and and everything. It it, it feels like there's a greater purpose here and. Um, so there's a lot of joy in that for me, even the, you know, what you would call this is the chase in Hollywood, right? Like, <laughs> um, there's a bit of joy in that here. It, it just feels more like you're chatting with friends. And it comes back around to the whole networking thing. Mm -hmm. And if it's you're here, you're making contacts. It's never been easier to really get your... Um, your music or your films, but uh, with composing your music to new people, emailing, attaching a file, or just sure. sending them to an online uh, you never know. library. I mean, it's never been easier. It, it's, it's still true. tough, 
but it's you know you're not having to make tapes and, and i would and, and you know and of hand course, deliver CDs. Them oh my or, god or CDs, yeah no right. i remember tapes was the first year actually for me then right. we then i got a cd burner remember when those were like 300 oh, yeah. bucks yep. uh, that's right <laughs> the coolest thing ever. yeah oh god um but the last thing i was going to say is i mean there is a tremendous value to working with your friends and so it's not about coming to a festival like this and meeting everyone i mean it took me a while to learn this like because it does feel like kind of like fish in a barrel right like there aren't many composers here these are all like people who could potentially hire me you know the you know the old cody like out of right out of high you know right out of high school or college would want to just be like running around like you know bad out of hell like passing out business cards right like here (laughs) here hi hi it's about relating to people and learning who they are and and telling them who you are, and maybe they'll like you. And if they like you, maybe they'll want to listen to your music. Because you know, I, I I'm pretty sure a lot of the music that gets sent out, it just it people we're all busy. Even when composers send me music, I, I don't always have time to listen. I'll listen a little bit at least. And if I'm drawn, you know, drawn in, of course I'm going to continue listening. So it's I I know that from experience. And every time that happens, when someone emails me and I hesitate to listen, like this alarm goes off in my head, like oh. This is what how people receive me. Right, it's right. fascinating. <laughs> and going back to what you were saying about running around and trying to see everyone, there's a big difference between uh, sitting down at breakfast. Yeah, hey, I'm I'm Jake. Hey, I'm Cody. Yeah, how's it going? And and just chit chatting about what's going on, totally. learning about each other, and then caring about what each other does. Exactly. Than be, than approaching someone and saying, Hey, I'm a composer. Here's yeah, my here's my exactly. Desk. Blah, 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 blah. That puts can, can put yeah, yeah. send alarm bells and that, off that's exhausting people. too. It's exhausting. It's for yeah. everyone, for all yeah. parties, and it's so much yeah. more fun. Like like Jake, we just met yesterday. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I didn't even know your last name. Yeah, that's yeah, what I was looking down. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it, it, and it's a joy to to yeah. meet and and get to know people, and I, I, that's that's fun. That makes yeah. these festivals like more like a social gathering than a networking event. Well, Cody, fantastic to have you on the podcast. Thanks for really having me. Really appreciate it. It's so nice to get so so much um, diversity in the people we have on, and uh, you're the first composer. Love and, it. Um, and you've done some amazing stuff. Thank and you. We'll have links to everything on the webpage. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Master Wildlife Filmmaking Podcast, then please leave a rating and a comment. And remember to subscribe to keep up to date with the series. You can find out more information on wildlife filmmaking at masterwildlifefilmmaking.com where you'll find valuable free resources like downloadable reports and video tutorials. Thanks for listening.